Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's episode is called Joe vs. Cancer. The story is by press reporter Nadine Roberts, who we're going to hear from soon. First though, this is a bit of a crossover episode. Joe vs. Cancer is a new podcast from Stuff. It drops on Monday, November the 21st. The titular Joe is Joe Mackenzie McLean, my colleague, our colleague at Stuff, who is living with stage 4 bowel cancer. Joining me now is Joe's friend and another of our colleagues and the host of Joe vs. Cancer, Colleen O'Hanlon. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Mike. So I've sort of done your job and said what this podcast is about, <laughs> but not really. What's this podcast? Well, I think I can add a little. So um, Joe, as you know, is a really wonderfully colourful character and she is battling life with stage 4 bowel cancer after unsuccessfully trying to get a colonoscopy at an earlier stage in her illness. One thing about Jo is as she's battled cancer, she's never really lost that positive attitude and she's really leaned into that idea of trying to share her story in a bid to help educate others and really uh, help others avoid being in the same situation she herself is in. So she's been quite candid and in a really uh, fresh and uniquely Jo way. Uh, and in this podcast, I guess we're trying to give her a greater reach, you know, a bigger opportunity to tell that story and to provide hope to people like herself who are facing a life-threatening illness and um, ideas on how to support people in her life who might be facing that kind of battle. So we know Joe. we've both worked with her <laughs> for years, and we know what she's like. Yes. Some people might too. You might have seen her on social media or read something she's written on stuff. She has done that sort of thing, but... Just so you get a taste, let's listen to a quick clip of the show because Joe is, yeah, a unique character. <laughs> I've t- we've been to see my counsellor and she said that, that we actually have, a lot of couples don't survive this. Mm. A lot of partners don't survive, um, they survive they it. They, they, they can't, can't handle it. They yeah, run away. It's yeah. too hard. And so, you know, we do have a, a strong relationship and I, I think a, um, a big part of that is, we try and we've got a good friendship and also we're still having like a lot of sex. <laughs> How did this come about, this pod? Like it's it's a great idea, but it's not sort of beating you over the head as something that must be done. Where, where did it come from? Right. So Jo herself already made content and I did see, um, I saw on Facebook a particular clip that really resonated with me, which was... Here's, you know, here are questions to not ask somebody about their cancer prognosis. And I felt when I watched that video that I could, with the best of intentions, have asked some of those questions myself. Like what what sort of thing? Oh, you know, well, maybe what is your prognosis even? And, you know, I learned from Jo that although that might come from a place of caring about that person, she has found that very confronting and quite hurtful, even if well-intentioned. And I could see that she had that real desire to give back to others she's been really lucky to have the support of her community and I could see she felt like this is something that she could felt she could contribute back in some way and you know generate something positive uh, out of what something that's really difficult for her personally um so 
really, I just um, I f- I flicked our audio team an email and said I think Joe is a sitter for a podcast. A, she's got a really important um, story to tell that I think will resonate with a large part of our audience, uh, and also because she's a really larger than life character and she's fun and engaging and you know lively, and I could just see that uh, she's good listen and. I didn't really propose that I be involved in the podcast, to be fair. <laughs> I just proposed that it was a podcast in waiting, and I think as the idea evolved, there was a need for somebody to be in the studio with Joe, and hence, you know, my involvement. So the pod is you two talking. Yes. For how many episodes? <laughs> Six. Six, yes. How did, that, how did that go? Well, it was a – I mean, both Joe and I are – Talkers. Uh, verbose, I would say. Um, yes, talkers for sure. Um, so I don't think we had any worries about, you know, awkward silences. <laughs> I think we were probably a bit more, the episodes were a loose structure, but uh, we were a bit worried by loose, I suppose, because we have got a lot to talk about between us and we wanted to be sure that we delivered a really, you know, polished and useful episode and, you know, take people along for the ride, but not just waft along. We wanted to create content that was meaningful as well as an easy listen. So I guess we sat across from each other in that very first episode and looked at each other and I could see that we were both thinking, well, here goes and let's see what happens. And as it always is with Jo, it's a very natural and easy conversation to have because she's just so open and you can ask her anything. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Colleen. Let's listen to the story now. Here is Nadine Roberts reading her story, Joe versus Cancer. In a tiny room, two friends chat about the parallels in their life. Career, marriage, children and divorce. And then comes a pause to acknowledge the moment the lives of stuffed journalist Joe Mackenzie McLean and Colleen O'Hanlon diverge forever. They sit across a table, as they do in life. One facing her future, the other her mortality. Yet the only physical clue to what Joe faces is a plastic Ziploc bag holding bunches of ominous brown medicine bottles with white prescription labels. It's surreal. Her eyes are clear and bright, her smile wide and her laugh ebullient. She's engaging, her words warm with her trademark southern burr. Looks can be deceiving. As the pair endeavour to put down Joe's thoughts on the illness that threatens her life, the energy leaves her. Like a battery draining, she struggles to gather her thoughts into eloquent sentences. Oh, sorry, I'm just Is trying okay? to think of how to um, Is this articulate. By day three of recording Joe v. Cancer, she takes frequent breaks to pop pills and gather her scrambled thoughts. I find it really hard. Leaving her hotel bed on the final morning takes extraordinary willpower, the kind that's become Joe's trademark since a doctor brutally relayed the news in January 2021 that she had cancer and it didn't look good. The trauma of that moment and the way in which it was relayed has never left her and is one of the reasons she has decided to allow her cancer journey to be made public. True to the giver Joe's friends say she is, and at a time when she feels most vulnerable, she has chosen to bear an unfiltered view of the ugly, often dark future she faces. But that's not all she wants you to see. There's the laughter. Lots of laughter as the pair recount the funnier parts of her story. It's kind of like a balding man. You know how bald men start growing facial hair? <laughs> so it fell off your head and grew on your face. Yeah. 
like even the kids noticed it and they were laughing, saying that uh, I was growing a right. bit faster than my son. <laughs> Inevitably, though, mortality is never far from Joe's thoughts. She knows she has to be realistic. She has to plan for the worst while hoping for the best. But how do you prepare children for their mother's premature death, should it happen? What words do cancer sufferers want to hear from friends and family? How could her mess of a diagnosis that delayed treatment be altered so that others don't suffer in the same way? Most of all, she wants to normalise cancer conversations and break the stigma around a subject we hate to talk about, until we have it. That stigma is something Jo knows all about after her brother Chris died by suicide in 1999 following steroid abuse which caused changes in his personality. Just 20, Chris was living and working in Invercargill while his sister finished her third year at the University of Otago. Jo's life altered forever when her stepdad called to tell her Chris was dead. In the days, months and years following his death, There were many difficult, jilted conversations. People crossed the street to avoid talking to her. Not long after Chris's death, a university counsellor told Jo she must be embarrassed about the way her brother died, to which she walked out. In many ways, Chris's death has shaped the way in which Jo is tackling her own death sentence. The feeling of having no control over life and the profound impact of grief has been reimagined and crowds her thoughts particularly when she thinks about the future for her children, Morgan and Travis. I know what it's like to live with that huge grief, she says, and I'm actually petrified of leaving that gap in my children's lives. That loss does really scare me because I've been there. And while the physical side effects of cancer treatments have been cruel and often out of her control, Jo wanted to make the podcast because it was something she could still choose to do. More than that, she believes Chris's death taught her not to take life for granted. At Southland Girls High School, Jo's aptitude for English was evident, leading her to study English literature at university. But her brother's death brought her back to Invercargill to be close to family and opened a door to journalism. Always a writer who kept meticulous diaries, Jo's talent quickly emerged as a sub-editor and advertising feature writer at the Southland Times. Editor Fred Tullett offered her the popular Uptown Girl column and encouraged the young cadet into formal training. Jo studied postgraduate journalism at the University of Canterbury. Stints in Rangiora at a community paper for the press followed before a move to the Christchurch newsroom where she worked the graveyard shift of 5pm to 1am for three years, specialising in crime writing. The round gave Jo opportunities to work across the big Christchurch stories of the time and talk to families in the worst moments of their life. Giving victims justice was important, and her ability to connect with those suffering from trauma and grief was encapsulated in an interview she had with a slain prostitute's father. For years afterwards, the father would get Joe to write the memorial notice for the anniversary of his daughter's death. He contacted her again recently when he heard of her diagnosis, something she appreciated deeply. Another man Joe interviewed, whose wife died of a brain aneurysm, reached out as well. By her own admission, Joe has always been more Bridget Jones, with my ass coming down the fucking fire pole, than Orla Guerin, the famed war correspondent, although she does now regret not working overseas. 
Lately, she has used her skills to share her journey from diagnosis to treatment, writing poignant stories to make readers both weep and chuckle. I just love my job, she says. By 2017, Jo had married, had children, divorced and moved to Cromwell. She was at the peak of her career and personal life when health problems began. She was training to run ultra-marathons around the central Otago Hills when she suffered a hip injury. She got back on track, but a dog walk resulted in a sore knee that wouldn't heal. Soon after, she woke up with an aching hand, which a doctor diagnosed as a sprain. Over the next year, both her knee and wrist continued to be painful. Her knee required steroid injections, and she had sporadic pains in other parts of her body. By 2018, she started having unusual bowel movements and was dogged by fatigue. As a single mum, it was easy to brush her exhaustion away. After all, she led a busy life. But instinct told Jo she should see her doctor about her bowel problems. An uncle had recently been diagnosed with bowel cancer and a nana had died from the same condition. Remarkably, neither a change in bowel movements nor direct family history of bowel cancer raised the doctor's suspicions. Jo asked for a colonoscopy, but medical notes would later reveal she was assessed as not fitting the criteria. Still unwell, she went back in November 2018 and again demanded a colonoscopy. This time she was told that she didn't fit the criteria because she didn't have blood in her faeces. Even when she began to have shortness of breath, she was told she was fine. Jo wondered if she was a hypochondriac. I should have pushed harder, she says, but I trusted the doctors. So she endured endless trips to doctors who never indicated anything was amiss. Nothing changed until December 2019 when Jo started feeling seriously ill. Over six weeks, nausea and stomach cramps soon escalated to vomiting, severe pain and the inability to go to the toilet. The nadir came when she had to leave a barbecue in terrible pain. She couldn't stop vomiting. At 1am, she rang her parents for help. Initially, an on-call doctor told her over the phone that little could be done if it was a gastro bug, but they advised Jo to go to Clyde Hospital if it got worse. An hour later, she self-admitted and was initially suspected of having gallstones. That diagnosis changed to constipation, then a reaction to arthritis drugs. Jo was given laxatives and enemas and sent home. The following day, with no let-up, she went back to her GP, but was sent away with pills for stomach cramps. Jo enlisted her mother for backup, and after three days of shocking pain, the pair struck it lucky with a young locum who immediately got on the phone to Dunedin Hospital to demand a CT scan. For the first time in almost two years, Jo felt heard. But it would be two years too late.
Due to a breakdown in equipment, Joe had to have the CT scan at Clyde Hospital. A doctor told her there was a 99% chance the scan wouldn't show anything abnormal. But the next day, her mother's birthday, Joe's world imploded. She had cancer in her bowel and her liver, and according to the doctor, it didn't look good. The doctor then promptly left the room, leaving Joe and her mother spinning. I cried, Joe says. I shook, I seethed. Don't take away my hope, as soon as you've delivered the news. Her mum had to run after the doctor to find out more. Joe had a tumour blocking her bowel that needed immediate surgery, but she had to go back to Clyde Hospital until a bed became available. The following day, with her partner Michael Hartstonge as support, Joe had her operation. She told her children she had a sore tummy. The truth was still too difficult to comprehend. Now, with a stage 4 diagnosis, meaning the cancer has spread beyond her bowel and into her liver, Joe is fighting for every day. She is understandably angry at what might have been. God, I should have pushed harder, she says. Changed doctors or done something, because my story might have been a lot different. Since then, Michael has been a constant support to Joe. The pair have known each other since childhood, although they didn't become a couple until 2018. For Joe, though, their relationship seemingly started much earlier. A primary school teacher once discovered a love letter she'd written to Michael. Joe was mortified to be found out, then strapped for good measure, as was the norm at the time. While she might have suffered for love, Joe also used it to her advantage. When she wrote a story about it in high school, she got an A+. Their bond has meant Michael has been able to push Joe on the days she struggled to get out of bed. He knows how far he can force the issue. I just try to keep her facing forward, he says. Not knowing what the future holds also frustrates Michael. It's difficult to make plans and cope with such a busy timetable. But behind it all is an impregnable love for the strong, independent woman he admires especially as she endures endless chemotherapy treatments cheerfully. We are fighting the fight, he says, and the goal is to beat it. Jo posts regular Facebook updates on her treatment, good, bad and ugly. There's lots of humour, but like every cancer patient, she has had to face a cavalcade of information, some useful, some false. From alternative treatments to finding expensive drugs that might prolong her life, she shares every part of her story in the podcast. And I ran out to the corridor and I like fist pumped there and was like, I found it! And like all the, all the nurses like started clapping and cheering and I was just... Went back into my room and I was like, God, this is bizarre. Like, I just had a bunch of nurses yahooing me because I farted. (laughs) There are tears and shrieks of laughter. And although Sherry McLean is proud of her daughter, she doesn't yet know if she's ready to listen. It's a weekday and Sherry has been feeding Joe's chooks after a sleepless night. The day before, her daughter found out she has a tumour on her ovary that will need to be removed. It weighs two kilograms. It's not the best start to the week. 
hardest of all has been controlling her fear. Shari doesn't let herself think of anything else other than her daughter's prognosis is life. I'm not in denial, she says. It's day by day. I'm trying to be really, really positive. For Shari, that has meant focusing on helping. She's been an enormous support to Joe and her children and is proud of how her daughter remains resilient even in the face of crippling pain. After her son Chris passed away, Shari vowed she would do everything to keep her surviving daughter safe and well. But it's Joe who is helping everyone around her cope with the very thing that threatens to take her away. Through laughter, she still manages to lift everyone around her, and even though her podcast deals with difficult topics, it's also a privilege to get a candid insight of a battler who refuses to give up. And that's something her mum is grateful for. I used to get really frustrated with how bolshy she was, Shari says. Now, I'm really happy that she is. That was Joe versus Cancer on The Long Read from Stuff, written and read by Nadine Roberts and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. Joe versus Cancer is out on November 21st, and just like The Long Read, you can hear it on the Stuff website and in all the usual podcast places. Go give it a listen. Joe MacMac is just a lovely person and kind of a unique voice so even if you listen to podcasts about survival or cancer or adversity i'm pretty confident you won't have heard one like this so go check it out and as always if you like the long read and joe versus cancer give them both a five-star rating and a review it helps other listeners find us thanks for listening if you like this podcast please support our work visit stuff.co.nz support.